Hello and welcome to For the Love of Mary, a podcast series that tracks my journey to finding the relationship between the Virgin Mary and the position of women in Ireland. It's told through the conversations and stories shared with some of the most amazing women on this island. My practice as an artist is very much founded in the idea of gathering the stories of women and this project was no different. Supported by the Arts Council of Northern Ireland, SIAP Award, I was able to travel to meet with women, research the ideas that came up in our conversations, document shrines, all with a view of getting to the bottom of why she's so prevalent in Irish culture, and from that create new works of spoken word and poetry. I had no script, no questions drafted. So what you're about to hear are all very much responsive conversations. I hope you enjoy this journey just as much as I did. Don't forget to share and subscribe and thank you for listening. Hello and welcome to episode 10 of For the Love of Mary podcast. In this episode I get to speak to Mary Scally. This conversation filled me with so much excitement. It, it was one that I have been wanting to have for such a long time. I when I first met Mary and I I heard her story or snippets of her story it was it set me down the path I I knew I knew back then that I wanted to interview her I wanted to catch her story I wanted to record it in some fashion and um it has had a profound influence on my life because it set me out as in in this as an artist to go and capture the stories of women to appreciate the stories of women that you can look at somebody and not know their story um and yeah so a huge thank you to mary because i probably wouldn't be up i don't yeah i don't think i would be doing this she's one of yeah the one of those women that kind of comes along and influences your life in a really in a really subtle but, but ultimately dramatic way um without actually ever really doing anything other than just being their amazing selves so yeah big massive thank you to mary enjoy this podcast i really hope you enjoy it every bit as much as i enjoyed having it making it and um just being there and all of my anticipation in getting to sit down with Mary um, with a glass of wine and her beautiful medal. Um, anyway, enjoy. Chat to you later. Bye. Okay, I'm Mary Scully. Hi, Mary. Um, Hi, I, well. I just want to say, in terms of, like, this is a wee bit of um, excitement on my part, um, in terms of women that influence your life, uh, when we first met... The first time we met and the first time we had a conversation, you were probably you're probably the woman that has inspired me to want to go down this route of interviewing women, and so my archive is that I have built up is is basically yeah I've been I've been itching to interview you for years, so now we get to have this conversation. Whoa. I'm humiliated. Oh no! Oh no! It was amazing. Amazing. So amazing. <laughs> Um, and it's, I suppose, it's an important point though that for all of us to reflect on that we never know 
um, the, the kind of range of the impact of who we are and what we say. Yeah, it's true. Very true. But yeah, you did. You have like, it sort of sparked that thought of, I really want to know more of the stories of women. And we've been, we've been ch chatting about that before before we started this. It's been a long life, by the way. I'm 73 this week. And a powerhouse still. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking forward to 73 and going, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's going to be good. Is your birthday in June as well? My birthday is in June, yeah. I don't know why I don't remember that. When? 13th. Oh, 23rd. Uh -huh. Let's see. Um, yeah. Uh, so, we're, we're here to talk about... Um, Mary, because I've been on this journey to find Mary. The other Mary. The other Mary. Mary. <laughs> the Virgin Mary. The Mary, the mother of God. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, so where, where might, might we begin with that? For me, it might begin by the second day of my life, when I was brought down to the church in Ballantubber County, Roscommon, to be christened and called Mary. Ah. And... That's kind of interesting because people were christened immediately after they were born uh, when I was born 73 years ago. And the other kind of thing about that was that I was the firstborn in our family and the firstborn was always, always at that stage and in those years called Mary. Wow. Uh, and just coincidentally, my mother was called Mary as well. So there was no um, discussion, question, agonising about names. Mary it was. No flicking through the baby name book. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, and the other thing about that, of course, was is, um, we're talking about Mary and, and feminism and women. Um, the mother of me, Mary, was still at home in her bed because I was only born the day before at home. Yeah. And I was brought down by my father and my godmother and my godfather to the church to be christened wow so she wasn't even there so mother wasn't there mm -hmm. and that's uh, that's kind of a interesting kind of thing in itself and then of course mother i don't know how many weeks after that in terms of the tradition had to go to the church for churching because she was um, deemed unclean um, in uh, um, religious um, terms yeah. and she had to go up in front of the whole congregation and kneel and be prayed over by the priest uh, in this churching ceremony Wow For any, If anybody's listening you just had toffee drinking water Toffee was drinking Toffee, toffee the dog drinking uh, water toffee, toffee, you needed a drink <laughs> at a crucial point <laughs> Yeah, it's nice and organic and it happened. Yeah. Um, wow, yeah, the I, so I've heard this term has been has come up a few times of churching, but I've never heard the full thing of what it involves. Yeah. And it was it was um, I don't know, I think it was at the end of mass and you had to walk up the aisle in front of the congregation, and there were big congregations in those days, obviously. Yeah. And uh, I, I, I have no idea what the ceremony included, but anyway, whatever happened, 
between you and the priest in front of everyone else, then you went, you left the church as a clean woman. Right. Cleansed. Of Cleansing. Was, yeah, of the sin that brought a child into yeah. the world. Wow. Yeah. So that's where my kind of um, inevitable and um, inescapable um, interaction and, and relationship in inverted commas with Mary started. Okay. Um, where it went on from there then is, is all over the place, but it, Mary was definitely, Mary the mother of God uh, was so predominant in Catholicism and therefore in our lives because we were we were very um, active uh, Catholics active in the sense of going to mass and uh, going to confessions and all of these things that uh, were part and parcel of the Catholic Church in what I now call Old Ireland, Old Ireland. Um, and there were then things that reinforced, obviously, that um, marinology, if you like to call it that, uh, which was every evening families knelt down on the bare floor and they pulled the chair out and they leaned against the chair and they said the rosary. Yeah. And th and there was all these. There's a, there's a great poem and you can look it up. It's called Trimmings of the Rosary. And uh, the trimmings of the rosary, I just love that poem. And it's um, one of the memories I have of the poem is called The Mother Saying, Glory, Daddy, Glory. And he gloried like a shot. So it was, the, you had the, the mysteries, you had the various mysteries and they, 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 they differed um, each day of the week, the mysteries of the rosary and the glory bit of the father be to the father, beat of the father, we used to say, beat to the father was the ending of each decade of the rosary. Can't remember now, but I think it was five decades of the rosary. And so people got down on their knees and they said the rosary every every evening. And there was this priest, uh, American, uh, Father Peyton, and there was a documentary about him recently on TV who went around um, promoting the rosary and and every every kind of oppressive and conservative element that went with it and he drew great crowds all over ireland particularly the west of ireland where his ancestors were from in mayo in maybe the 50s i would think but that documentary is there for people to see and look at and see that he was an actual envoy as far as i remember of um, maybe the Vatican, even at that stage. And he was this American who brought this oppressive um, marinology uh, to uh, Ireland in this very powerful rhetoric. Oh. Um, and that was that would be in my young years, um, thinking of childhood, you know, uh, later childhood, early teenage, teenage years. So that was an influence in terms of Mary. Then, as well as the Rosary, uh, there was um, the Angelus. And the Angelus was uh, 
was uh, said and announced, including announced on national radio, by the way. Yeah. I'm not sure if it still is. Well, it's well, they still have the bells on RTE, don't they, at 6 o'clock? Well, they, it was 12 o'clock and 6 o'clock. Yeah. And so the bells rang out. Uh, the bells in the local churches uh, were, were rang at 12 o'clock in the day and at 6 o'clock in the evening. And so you had the Angelus. And that was focused a lot on Marinology and Mary. Uh, and so you had you had your 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 day and these reminders. And so then after that, think about that at six, the Angelus, and then later on in the evening, you had the Rosary. And uh, what a, what I mean, how how powerful and 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 predominant was that yeah. in 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 anybody's life? How crazy and crazy I use the word. Well, yeah, that kind of call call to prayer on on call to prayer. That's the way. That's yeah. the good way of expressing it on on national television or on national radio or you know even but call in the to local. prayer with a powerful focus on Mary. Well, yeah. I, do you remember? So we've we've chatted and and this has come up a, few, a number of times um, through these this conversation is I'm not from a Protestant or I'm not from a Catholic background so I'm from I'm from a Protestant background but I remember um not really understanding what this meant as a child and seeing RT and it was the image I think that was presented was Mary and there was a lovely running river and or a little little sort of brook of water and but there was a statue of Mary that was there and and that's the memory that I have I was oh, going to mention that, that then you had image imageology or whatever name we'd like to so so that was that was rituals, you know, all these things I just mentioned, but you had all the images. And the images were various because the images were very powerful in the in the church mm-hmm. when you went to mass or whatever. Very Mary was very predominant in statues and so on. Then you had Always, most people had statues at home mm-hmm. uh, of Mary as well, and uh, you had images in uh, so many, so many kind of ways. You had images in shrines that began to um, uh, what's the word grow, grow as as people became became more affluent in a way. I, I, I associate shrines with, on the one hand mythology about holy wells and things mm-hmm. but also to some degree about um, uh, local communities uh, becoming slightly affluent and contributing money to uh, develop shrines to Mary yeah. uh, and I remember um, another thing that um, individual people had was um, they had and we had our family, our, our ordinary uh, family, had a, sh- a shrine to Mary when we eventually got new pillars on our little gates uh, into the cottage we lived in. And so this there was this, um, it's still there to this day, uh, there was this square left uh, within the, the uh, concrete pillar of the gate and a statue of Mary was put in there and my mother and the family always put flowers in front of that or whatever and uh and that was and that was kind of something that even individuals did so it wasn't just the big shrines but 
people obviously had the opportunity of doing some Wii U thing and including a statue of Mary, you know, on the side of the road in front of their house. They did individually as well. Can we stop? Oh, yeah, sure. I can pause for the cat. Okay. The, the other thing about Mary is that uh, people had stations in the house where it became their turn in villages and townlands to have mass in the house on a rotational basis. Oh. So it depended on how many houses were in the, um, in the area when your turn would come up. And it was the time when even the poorest of people tried to do work their house a bit and all the neighbours came and the priest came and said mass on the kitchen table in the house and then they had to um, produce some food and whatever and so on. And on those occasions as well, the priest gave homilies. And I remember, remember through many years, including coming home when I was in England and really seeing it in more objectively what was going on, the people kneeling on the, on the bare floors, very often stone floors, uh, and the priest standing behind the table preaching at them and a great content of the of the preaching was about Mary the mother of God and so it was it was coming at people from all sorts of angles um this this thing but where we lived in in the west of Ireland we had a very um a very emotive and very powerful um and very seductive um uh, what was it word symbol and 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 oh, it was I don't know what words to put on it but uh, it was it was it was a thing about Mary and that was knock where Mary actually in our area actually came and appeared to the peasants and that history of knock dominated our lives in such a in almost indescribable way um, and so much so that we ended up that knock there were three of us three kids in our family and knock was like a um, I sometimes think of it was it about respite for our parents and my mom because we were sent to knock every Sunday uh, during, particularly during the summer, wow. and we were sent. We went with our cousin, our first cousin, uh, May, who lived next door, and May was a handmaid. Think of the word handmaid. Yeah. And May was a handmaid at Knock, and she was a handmaid. She was a district nurse, but she went every Sunday as a volunteer. And invalids came from all over Ireland to Knock, and they. They were there for the, the ceremonies on Sunday, but then eventually there was this, um, it's called, it was called St. Joseph's, and it was this place where a number of, of people with disabilities and so on could stay for a week at Knock, and my cousin May then eventually went full-time to work uh, there as a, she, she committed as a, a lay um a lay religious, and so a woman called Mrs. Coyne, it's an amazing history, set up this um, 
lay religious group at Knock, and um, my cousin was one of them. But we went every Sunday while May was still going every Sunday from our next next door to to Knock with her, and she went about doing all the things she does, and we were three children abandoned to Mary and, and to the ceremonies wow. that happened at Knock every Sunday. Uh, and that's and on the way, uh, May insisted that we all join in and say the rosary. Um, and then um, men also went to Knock as stewards uh, because there were big processions and hundreds of people coming on trains and buses from all over Ireland. And we would wait then late in the evenings and we would have this, um, my, my sister and my brother and I, we'd be sitting in the chapel and everybody, nearly everybody would be gone. And it was this atmosphere in the chapel as we were waiting for May to wrap up. Hey, Kat. It's, okay. it's fine. To um. take us home. But so not, I'm not describing it very well. I'll show you a book after, but um, I think for, for um, some families and some individuals, Knock had a disproportionate influence in terms of Mary and uh, all of that. Yeah, I mean, I, well, I've been, I've only ever been to Knock once, and we, we sort of, we were coming back from Galway, and we were documenting some shrines, <laughs> and we just turned the car from the, whatever the the shrine was. We just turned the car around, and the sign was there. Knock two kilometers. Yeah, and ultimately. Yeah, and it was just okay. We'd be stupid not to go to knock. We, you know, I'm yeah. on this journey to find yeah. Mary. This, mm -hmm. this is this is somewhere that I really should go. And um, it was quite, it's quite an extraordinary place. And I, I mean, I've I've heard about the handmaids, and um, they're sort of they, yeah, they're they wore white, white, and, yeah. yeah, and. That kind of idea of you know being there for the people that were coming and that's right and helping out and whether that was yeah. buttering bread for sandwiches or making tea that would be or, a feature of our lives yeah um, so um yeah I mean I think I think that was definitely one one big kind of influence um and it was so it was such a um a belief as well, you know, think about it, that Mary, the mother of God, had come to that far-flung place in the west of Ireland and appeared to peasants. Yeah. And then Pope John Paul came to knock in 1979. Uh, and, of course, that kind of um, geared up the kind of profile of knock as well. And... Um, you know, there was all this thousands of people, hundreds of thousands, including from here yeah. in Derry, uh, went to knock for that occasion. And then you would have also people, but I think this was associated with affluence really in a way, who went to Lourdes, who had the money to yeah. go to Lourdes, which was the other upper, big apparition Apparition's site. Yeah. And pilgrimages to Lourdes was quite important and people went as volunteers with invalids and there was reports of miracles and all sorts of things, you know? Yeah. Um, so it was brought up with a lot of those kind of... No, I'm kidding. 
Uh, I'm going to have to put you next door, excuse me, ma'am. Okay. Because she's going to keep... Okay, so the cat has been dispensed with uh, in, a, in a very nice manner. He's got food and is out of the room. <laughs> so, yeah, so we're chatting about... Um, about knock but um yeah you brought down this medal um children children of mary children of mary um do you want to tell me about this um this medal here um uh, this medal here is dated is dated the um hmm, better hard to see i think it's the 31st of the 5th 1963 so it's inscribed Mary Scully, 21st of the 5th, 1963. How many years ago is that? Uh, right. And it says, Confraternity of the Children of Mary. Wow. It's got Mary. her name and everything. And, yeah. And then it has some Latin that we can transcribe. It's actually a beautiful medal. It's a silver, quite a big silver medal. And I think that my poor parents probably had to pay a bit of money uh, for this medal but um, it was um, it was given to um, I suppose we were school children we were in secondary school uh, and there was this um, a movement if you like where um, I, can't, I can't remember if all of us in my class I presume we would I can't imagine anyone not um, joining uh, this um, this what was it called again? Um, congregation of the children of Mary, and there was, I think that there was a process. As far as it's hard to remember all these years ago, but I think that there was a process um, in the in the local church where we were inducted, for want of a better word, into this congregation as teenagers, oh, no. and we were. Uh, we were uh, presented with this beautiful medal and we were uh, also given a blue, I remembered a blue cloak and I'm not sure if we had headgear or not, I can't remember this and we would have um, worn this um, at a number of occasions but the type of occasion would be, there were uh, always processions particularly on May Day or uh, you know, for feast days of Mary and so on, and we would have worn those two in the procession, uh, which would be around the town, or um, you know, in worn them to church and so on. And uh, I think we would have been very proud of that at that stage uh, to be to be uh, uh, displaying our dedication uh, to Mary uh, in this kind of way. Uh, I'm not sure when it began, what's the history of it would be very interesting and, and when it ended um, because I don't know of it happening nowadays but it was very big when I was a teenager Well this is, the, yeah, this is the first time the first time I've come across this so this is quite, yeah, I'm, I definitely so this is, find this is new social history this for you new information for me There you are, wow. proof That's amazing um, I'm going to take photographs of this because this is, wow, and your name, that's, that's quite special. So you went from being a child of Mary, 
Yes, now that's the where did I go from there? <laughs> yeah, where, 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 where would possibly go from there? Where did you you're, go? You're very stuck. <laughs> you're trapped. Well, you know, you've you've kind of mapped yourself out because <laughs> um, yeah. you have a really interesting background and history. Yeah. Um, okay, that was school, and that was secondary school, and secondary school was with um, the Sisters of Mercy in Castlery, County Roscommon, very rural, um, very early days in secondary school for an awful lot of people having the opportunity to go from primary school to secondary school, an opportunity given by um, religious congregations uh, that have become maligned in more recent years, but for us, they were people, they were women who dedicated their lives in religious life to various good deeds and that's a whole um, quite exciting um, social history in, in Ireland in, in, uh, in those years in particular um, and it has obviously it has from the extreme extremes of good and extremes of awful things happening yeah. uh, and, and that can be the um, you know, the mother and baby homes and all of these kind of things and the tune babies, which is not too far from where I was brought up, and you name it, to, um, to the, in my own experience, and I can only talk about my own experience, of, um, of amazing good deeds. Um, and one of the good deeds for me was giving me the opportunity for a secondary education. Wouldn't have had it only for them and only for they set up a convent in the back of beyonds in County Roscommon, where I came from, and a, a, sec, a detached, an attached secondary school, and these nuns came and gave us an opportunity to go through secondary school, do our leaving cert, and so on, and encourage us in various pathways. Of course, I got encouraged. What, having been such a devout child of Mary, wasn't wasn't I very susceptible? to encouragement to join the convent. <laughs> so that was my name. I, I talked to you about the uh, about the blue cloak and my next cloak was a black cloak <laughs> yeah. uh, in in the convent of mercy in Sligo. And uh, no that was uh, that was another I think that's a whole other story. That's a sort of um, I don't know um, that's a, yeah um, I think that, you know, well, if you if you link the whole thing, all of that about, you know, the rosary and praying and and the influence of the church, uh, the church male, uh, priest-ridden um, church and the influence and the message and so on. And if you think about where we were brought up in the back of beyonds in rural Ireland, I wonder was all this an escape? Um, this ideology and all the rest of it wasn't it lovely to form to follow an ideology, uh, an escape out of your, yeah. uh, you know, um, sort of we never called it working class in rural Ireland, but um, you know, out of the box. I'll use that word. Yeah. I have no idea. Was this what it was about? Uh, there are people who, who would who would say that that's the case, uh, or was it about this religious belief 
that you were so indoctrinated with? Um, the phone. <laughs> okay, I don't know what to say about the condom. Really. Yeah, well, I think I think that's a nice a nice idea of um, or a nice perspective that you. Nice is probably the wrong word, but that's an interesting thought process of. You know, if it hadn't have been the convent, what would have been open to that's you? Right. What would have been exactly. your direction? Yeah. Um, no, that, that's the point I was trying to make. You know, <laughs> that is. I don't know. Custom and practice. Twenty what years is too long. <laughs> it's like my car. <laughs> um, but uh, so. Okay. Where? Sorry. No, you're okay. Um, so yeah, that, that idea of like where would your life have gone to and what would you have done? Yeah. Had you not have yeah, I suppose I suppose in a way, uh, what you where where you're at, okay, it's um, you've been through secondary school in this convent scenario, nineteen sixty five, and it's very rural Ireland, and. Where can you go and what can you do um, as as a young person? And obviously, it's very it's it's a very attractive option to um, to go and and do some amazing work in terms of um, the type of thing that was modelled for you by the nuns in the convent. You know, maybe bring education to rural areas, or work on missions, or uh, all of these things was was modelled to you by these by this group of women, by this group mostly. I mean, the way you saw them anyway was very dynamic women, beautiful women in these in these uh, in these mysterious robes, <laughs> who shuttled from their convent every day over to your school, and were there to to teach you and, and to, to validate you, really. Yeah. Uh, because they were very validating um, in, in, um, in secondary school. I found that. Um, I think most other people that we were small groups, by the way, then in school. You're, you're talking about 15, 15 people per class um, cycling in from rural areas, um, sort of... Um, open to education, open to influence, yeah. and, and so on. So um, it, was, it, was, it was certainly um, attractive to go and join them and um, make a contribution to the type of things that they imaged for you or modeled for you that they were doing at that stage. Of course, you didn't see what, what the... Um, the convent life was like. You didn't um, know anything about about that background. Uh, you didn't know anything about the the rules and the austerity and austerities and and, and control really. And not there was control within the um, the convents by the by the um, the system that was set up with mother generals and uh, all of these kind of things. Well, there was, well, there was a, there was a worse control and more sinister control than that, and that was controlled by the church. Mm -hmm. And of course, the church was male, and the church was hierarchical, and the ultimate control of all of these women at that stage, all of these convents, all of these individuals, irrespective of their talents, 
their commitment or whatever, it was controlled by the local bishop. And everything from the day you stepped over that threshold, the ultimate control was by that man in that area, uh, wherever your convent was, uh, operated okay by the convent system and by a very strict and um, uh, surreal, I suppose, um, system that was about poverty, chastity and obedience. Uh, and, and those uh, three vows broken down into implementable, enforceable sanctions, if you like, on your life and your, and your talents and your time and your energy was channeled into whatever they decided that you would do. Um, and you were, you were on, either on your knees praying uh, from early morning, five in the morning, or on your feet scrubbing floors or working or doing what they decided that you would do. And that's the way it was then. I have no idea what it was like now. Yeah. What it's like now. So, um, and, and, and so many rules and regulations. And one of the things that stands out for me that, that it wasn't you that was just um, um, drawn into that. But your family was in, a, in what I would call now, looking back on it, in quite a cruel way as well, because you weren't allowed any contact with your family. Yes, especially in novitiate times, and you uh, you were allowed to write once a month, and you had to uh, begin your letters with dear mother, father, and uh, brother, brother and sister, or whoever, and you ended your letter with uniting with reverend mother and each dear sister and sending your loving prayer for wishes, and your letters were all um, looked at, read uh, before they you handed in the letter. Just, and they were all read and then put in an envelope and sent to your parents. Wow. And I, I think in hindsight that was quite cruel and they were allowed, I can't remember how many times a year they were allowed to visit and the visit would be in the big parlour and there would be kind of supervision, you know, senior nuns hanging around. And it's like, I suppose, as I'm talking to you now, it was like prison really, if you think about it. Well, I suppose, I mean, it, when, when sort of the convent system was set, set up, it was kind of, what do you do with unmarried women? What, yeah. what do you do with women when they reach a certain age and they're unmarriable? Yes. Um, where do they go and what do they do? And so, like, the idea of the diary that would have been saved up for her to get married yes. then went to the church and she, yes. she went in and became a bride of Christ. Well, that's right. I never said to you about the diary, but the diary, in my case... Uh, I would have been one that um, didn't have a diary. A diary was nearly like um, uh, what's the word? Um, what's the word now? In you know where you have um, uh, it's like um, social welfare assessment. Really. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. You know, so you had you had a lot of very middle class people, majority, going into convents, but you had people who couldn't afford as well. But they, um, the local convent uh, that you went to school with, uh, provided uh, you know the surge for your for your your sh they provided your convent shoes and the surge for your um, uh, uh, what was it called the um, 
oh god all the um i forget the details of all the um i mean it was the uniform but it has all these words each each element has words the dimity the headgear the um the rest and so the convent your local convent uh, packed a case with all of that for mm. you if you didn't have a dowry um that's incredible and um yeah it was, it was an extraordinary extraordinary kind of thing but then you had think about it then what happened you had this large group of women from all these backgrounds coming together and you had you had the enforcement my, my first ever experience of class and class distinction first ever was in the convent and it was very powerful so you had you had an upper class really and you had it was like you had um nieces nieces of nuns who were there already and so you had family streams nearly and you had uh, people from very middle class backgrounds and you had people who had been to secondary school and got their evening cert and so on but you had people who hadn't as well and they were another class of nuns and they were um i forget the title of them now but they were um assigned to duties in the kitchen and lower kind of class work and all of that um that's incredible but i know it's not relevant to marry now but do you know it's all it, uh it's, it might be another story for you some other time you know it, it's i think it's all kind of um I think I think that the the sort of the role of women and the role of the church and 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 how because the the, the ideals that were placed on the ideals that are placed on women in the convent are the same ideals that have been placed the burdens that have been placed on the shoulders of Mary and so and the, and on the shoulders of a lot of women in Ireland yeah. um, uh, in in sort of response to um, how do we how do we ensure them behave in a way that is palatable to what we want them yeah, to? Yeah, behaviour is an interesting kind of thing because not everybody, um, not everybody, behaved, and so you had such terrible sanctions for behaviour. There could be somebody in the pew in front of you um, one one day who just disappeared. When they were gone, they were they were put out. It is literally, uh, and we never knew what happened or why or whatever. And then you also knew of um, some of the priests and relationships that some of the nuns were having with, um, you know, um, some of the priests and all this kind of thing. And some some of it was obvious to some of us and. Um, Nothing seemed to be done about it, but and some of some of the people just um, stayed stayed in the convent and had all these relationships, and then nuns had relationships with each other. Uh -huh. So uh, all of this stuff, I mean, it was a, a very complex. It was as complex as humans are. Yeah, I mean, uh, if, you put, if you put people in a close proximity to each other, I mean, all you have to do, I don't watch TV at all, but all you have to do is watch any of those enclosed reality TV shows and you'll yeah. see that, like, the, yeah, the complex relationships yeah. 
will happen when you put people in a very close all sorts of things uh, go and all sorts of um all sorts of um i suppose um competition in kind of strange ways for different little strands of power or influence or whatever you know and uh, anyway um in terms of in terms of i, I suppose the main point really might be for, for this kind of thing is that um, the contents uh, all over Ireland, I don't know what the statistics would have been for those years, but they would have been big, that there were large volumes of, of women who went to uh, and joined convents uh, and became nuns. And I don't know what, what proportion and I don't know the pattern. It has not, it's a very interesting kind of thing in terms of social history in Ireland, that that has not been researched in terms of how many went in um, and how many left and what years they did and the chronology of that. And the virtual kind of then um, um, drop, rapid drop in people going in at all. And 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 then the, 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 the kind of situation of women who genuinely had survived that system in terms of what they entered the convent to do, if you like, and, and, and retained that authenticity and became um, old, um, old women um, and the, the aging nuns and, and how they were, um, what it must have been like for them because they still believed in what they entered for and they saw everything they believed falling away, mm. being destroyed, and they ended up in, in, in places like the place I was in today, in residential homes, in lay residential homes, um, because there were no longer people to care for them. The big convents were closed down, and they, um, the nuns that, that were left, the kind of remnant of nuns that were left, lived in ordinary houses in, in the community. And so you have women who um, went through, we'll say the last, I think we'll, I'll, I'll just use the, the uh, chronology of the last 70 years, went in with this kind of wonderful belief that this was a great thing to do and did fabulous things like give me, the likes of me an education. Yeah. And then, um, Got, got left with absolutely nothing, with, with literally no convent even, think about it. Yeah. So they ended up, at best, if they, were, if they were still physically able and so on, in an ordinary house in the community with a small group of people, or at worst, in a residential home with disconnect from their original family maybe, and nobody to visit them or anything. So there's a tremendous poignancy about the social history, I think, of women um, uh, who uh, became religious in Ireland from, you know, those periods, the 50s, 60s onwards. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, that, that, that is a... It's a, it's a thread, it's a thread that I, I, I hadn't thought about, but 
and I guess it's all part of the tapestry. You know, when you're looking at the decline of the religious hold on on yeah. on this on sort of on how women are viewed and how women view themselves. And when you look at like the rise in, in feminism and you look at the rise in sort of like liberalization of women, that you weren't, that your choices have gone from being convent, married with children, you know, that that's it, convent and potentially education, potentially other things, potentially, that's you know, exactly a different right. world that is far removed from this family life oh, yeah. and for some women even today for some women that idea of I don't want to be married I don't want to have children I don't want yeah. to do that thing there was potentially an intellectual world yeah uh, that somebody like me certainly was interested in yeah you know um, where people and you had access to you know education streams you had access to books yeah you had space even to be and to study. And to breathe, so that wasn't pressured by, by the, the yeah. social constraints of what yeah. what's expected yeah. as a woman that you're supposed to do, that your mother, wife, yeah. caretaker. And it was, it was, I mean, I, I don't want to pr project all negative because no. I would, ne I never for one day, which is, is extraordinary, have regretted doing any of that. Yeah. Um, because it was, it was, it was quite an amazing, um, experience that was that was done sincerely and 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 that really um, um, gave me an opportunity not just in terms of education and all those kind of things but to meet some genuinely extraordinary people and and to see um, to see their their achievements that will never never be documented haven't been documented never will be and yet the things that make the headlines are the, um, the um, uh, congregations or individuals in congregations who were part of um, the Catholic hierarchical system uh, of institutionalization in relation to um, um, unmarried mothers and so on and so forth. And and they really, they really were s such victims to me in some ways of taking up the gauntlet for the Catholic Church and, and for the state in, uh, in, in, in making provision, in inverted commas, for people um, in, in, in those situations. Yes. Um, you know, they were, they were drawn into it. And, and, and okay, some of them did... Um, behave, uh, you know, and obviously supported it and and behaved appallingly, but really they were they were they were just cogs in the system as well, um, which is which is 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 an indictment of. Um, I mean, it, the the male hierarchical church in Ireland. Um, is 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 deplorable in terms of. Of all of this and then going around on the other hand and preaching the ideology of Mary and uh, Marianology and all the rest of it because because that's what these guys did these guys these guys definitely had a thing about Mary well you know she's um, I think I think if anything my journey has has led me to uncover some 
incredible aspect of her as as a character um, that that's more than this two-dimensional figure that's more than just this very submissive statue that we see and that she's a she's a really rich character that has so much to her and it's yeah it's been a journey it's been a it's been an incredible journey and all of the little bits and pieces i know that you're thinking that none of this really has anything to do but it actually does because we because how we view ourselves and the the like the catholic church is a very has been a very predominant part of culture here in ireland and and it's been linked and um intrinsically linked together for such a long time and and i think that part of the ideals that are prescribed to to the virgin mother to that idea um yeah virgin being an important part of the word yeah it it is and you know and a lot of the research that i've i've been uncovering has left me it's been <laughs> been an incredibly emotional journey um and the things that have been placed on women because of the things that have been placed upon her as a character yes yeah absolutely the perfection, yeah. even the images in the statue. Yeah. You know, the, the facial image, the the colour, the demure. Yeah, she's... Um, everything. Yeah. Um, is, is there. And um, and these these men um, on their knees in front of the statue. I mean, it's, it's real when you think about it. Um, the... They're, they're preaching um, this doctrine uh, of Mary that to me was very was very confused with um, um, with God you know yeah God and Mary I, I think they got that all kind of you know and and what is it about what is it about? What does it say about um, uh, this group of men in this organization who had this woman at the center of their um, their belief, um, their message, their um, their psychic, and whatever? I mean, that is that's, isn't that bizarre? Yeah, this holy queen. Like yeah. rare, this this like and all the all the different kind of prayers. Then I I I, I was when I was lighting the candles and knock three two or three days ago. Um, it was where we used to kneel and remember. It was called the Memorare. I don't know if you know that prayer, but anyway, remember Mother God, uh, and and it was all about your clemency and your, you know, it's a very um. When you say that prayer, you're a very, you're on a, in a very humbled kind of way, and you're in a very interceding kind of way, but you're also in a, a situation that you believe, and this is an important point, that you believe that Mary can intercede and influence God in your whatever your um, petitions are. Yes. Yeah. 
to um, somebody raised the, raised the, the thought um, of never never ever ask never go directly and ask Jesus because he he sometimes turns you down always go to Mary and she'll she'll intercede yeah she'll, word. that's it yeah she'll that's intercede in, the on your behalf. intercede for us on your behalf yeah and it's, it's in the memorable yeah and the, it's the wedding in Cana yeah. that, that that comes from that whole idea that um, because he so whenever they say about you know like oh there's no wine and she comes to Jesus and she's like oh there's the, 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 the couple and it's horrible they've no wine and he says to her I'm not ready woman I'm not ready and she goes off and she doesn't pay any attention yes, to what yes. he's just said and she goes off to the, to the to the servants and whatever he needs just get it from yeah. and so it's that idea of that that even whenever he kind of wavers on his own abilities and on his own readiness to, to move, mm-hmm. she is the one that goes here, sort of that. Yeah. So it's 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 that disproportionate power. So, but why has that power? I mean, what was it that then stopped that power being transferred to women in real life? Yeah, lots of church fathers uh, sitting around. So they, how did the church need to intervene to cut that oh, off? I don't know. I mean, I, you know, you're, you're kind of like the, so the, the council, there was the council of Chalcedon and then Nicaea and the second council of Nicaea and the, the sort of establishing the divinity of Jesus. And by establishing the divinity of Jesus, then also had to like look at, oh, whoops, the role of Mary and that and so she so then whenever they sit down to do the Apostles Creed and they look at that right. um, they, they she has to be recognised not only just as the mother of Jesus but also as the mother of God um, but there's this thing of like she can't be the mother of the Trinity because that's a different thing and that would raise her above and that would be weird and um, so she's just the humanity of Jesus that that she is that and and because we look at because she because she's the influence on the humanity of Jesus and she's the influencing factor and that the focus that he has of how to be human so then she becomes almost dehumanized in her flaws and her faults and we have this perfection image of being incredibly pious you know she's she's very limited and very restricted in what we see of her um and that that's sort of like very modern a modern view yes, yeah whereas you know you go back to the sort of medieval period and you know she's this real human figure and she's this real humanized idea and um and it's her suffering and her yeah cradling her son yeah because there are so many different images yeah exactly you know, there's that image of suffering, there's that image of mother, there's that, yeah, um, all, all, all of that. It's, yeah, some, somebody had raised the image of um, Our Lady of Perpetual you know, the one Supper. With the heart, with the, oh, yeah, the, all the seven sor- the sorrows, yeah. Yeah. And that she, that the, the, st- the swords are like um, piercing her heart to yeah. represent all of the sorrows that she watched and that she couldn't do anything about it. Yeah. And you have the image then of the apparition with the angels and knock and the image of Our Lady of Lourdes and so many different images. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's one, some, the, one of the, somebody I was talking to and they were saying about that, that 
there's a the, the icon of her and she's oh, she's bare you. she's bare breasted That's right, and she yeah. has this the, the child mm -hmm. and the child is looking very frightened because he sees over her shoulder the cross and his future and he gets so afraid that his his sandal falls off but she she's cradling and, and comforting him um and so you know we, we lose we, we sort of over the years we lose that image of mother mm -hmm. and she becomes this very shrouded like oh yeah you know desect and, and then the origin of that motherhood you know um and and how that's portrayed at christmas in the crib and this kind of thing and um bethlehem and all yeah. of that kind of um and so, I'm not sure. I'm not, I'm not sure where um, and where you will find the um, the absolute. If there's any such absolute, there's no such thing as absolute. But the 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 very current uh, understanding of Mary and all of that. Yeah, I, um, I don't. I genuinely don't think that it's really important to find out the absolute, absolute truth of Mary. No. I think that the journey... And that's what's special about this. Yeah. yeah, the journey of this is finding out the, this, the relationship that women have. And it's more about finding out the stories of women. It's more about finding out what what has shaped us in from yeah. this particular lens, through this lens of looking at this character, what has shaped us as women and where where do we find our position in yeah. reflection of this incredible icon of motherhood? Yeah. Um so yeah I don't I don't I mean what would it be then was me that I couldn't really drive up that road and tired and always laughter a long journey without calling in to knock. I mean, that's, that must have had a very powerful influence and lighting a candle. Yeah. Um, and, um, and having these, I mean, I could go on my eyes closed, you know, to each station of the cross or to where the loser are still in the same place, the main lose. And so on, and so and forth, you know, corner, and yeah, and and so on. So, um, but there must there must have been there must have been something in particular about about that place, for example. Um, you can still see the statue in our local church, um, Mary one side and Joseph the other, and the altar. Um, but knock, uh, the significance of knock um, shouldn't be underestimated um, in terms of our, I mean, and, and these, these, these trains and, and trains, train loads coming from all over Ireland on a Sunday to Claremorris and the buses meeting the trains and bringing um, hundreds of people yeah. there. Buses. And then you had all the uh, crazy um, commercialization that went with it, with all the stalls along oh. the street and all these uh, statues and, and um, medals and everything being sold. And Yeah, we, we find out that um, the shops that are right outside 
So um, there's John Day Burns, and then there's there's a few that are named after saints. Yeah. And they're all kind of like in a row. Um, and so we worked on a documentary about about Knock, and um, so it's one of the descendants of like one of the people that witnessed the apparition. So that's belongs to. Um, but they owned the whole. The guy bought the whole plot, or he owned the whole plot, and he gave. Nice one. Yeah. So he gave each of his children their own shop. So they're all owned by the same family, all in the same row. So it doesn't matter. That's amazing. Yeah, it doesn't matter which shop you go into. They're all owned by the same uh, family. Yeah. But uh, when we were down there, we had to go into John J. Burns because it looked like something from, it looked like a saloon from the wild <laughs> Well, I mean, the other thing, I think I'm a little saloon from Derry, but people walked to knock. Yeah. As part of, um, you know, there was, with all of this, and I suppose religion generally was this penitential yeah. kind of, you know, approach as well. Uh, and this this pilgrimage. I don't know what's literally the the meaning of pilgrimage, but pilgrimage, pilgrimage to Lourdes, pilgrimage to Knock, however you went, whether it was walking or, you know, otherwise was, um, and then there were these traditional days, yeah. you know, when you, when you did all of that. And, and then there were the different... I mean, it was a highly organized kind of thing as well, where dices, different dices, um, you know, marshaled people together and Buster brought people to knock yeah. on different kind of days and Sundays and yeah. and what, whatever. Um, but, I mean, that notion that if you were the firstborn that you were called Mary. Um, I think that's incredible. Yeah, and that you had, that was your destiny kind of, you're going to bear the weight of the virgin those, mother. In those in those kind of <laughs> in those kind of years, that was. Um, I mean that, you know, you were you were connected, you were connected to Mary straight away, as I said at the beginning. Yeah. Um, but ask me a couple more questions if you want to pin things down and do a wrap. Um, I think, to be honest, I think I think what we've got is really lovely, and um, I'm I'm. I'm the nuns were all called Sister Mary something. Sister, Sister Mary something. How long, yeah, that's the... That. So how long did you stay in convent life? In convent life, you had um, the first part of the novitiate totally closed off for, I think that was four years. And then you were sent to do whatever it is. And um, as I told you, I was sent to London to do physiotherapy. And so I think I stayed two and a half or three years. So that was about seven, seven years. I think it was about hard to remember all. Interesting kind of thing about um, leaving. Um, it was far harder to leave than it was to go in because um, when you went into the convent in those kind of times, both you yourself felt you were on this great journey and going to do some good things. Um, and so did everybody else. Um, becoming a priest or a nun in those times, in those years, was, was applauded. It was, yeah. a, you know, it was, it was your family, were proud of you. Uh, you're, everybody's like, oh, wow. Um, leaving was you were disgraced 
kind of, you know, it was kind of, you were a failure. Um, and um, that's, so leaving was, was, was a harder thing to do. Um, and it took, it took quite a lot of, um, it took quite a lot of um, soul searching and it took quite a lot of organizational stuff because you had to, you were, you were already, um, I left, I left automatically the day, automatically is an interesting word in this context, the, the day before my cohort went through final profession, I, I, I did my time, if you like, and I was out if I didn't go for a profession, but you had to go even with that. It, it all had to go to the Vatican and all sorts of things. So, you know, you weren't just, I mean, you couldn't leave, but like Brexit, <laughs> you couldn't leave, you couldn't leave, you couldn't, you couldn't leave just like that. You had to go through your withdrawal. You, you had to go through system, Wow. if you like, and, uh, and a process, and the process had to be, I remember the, um, the mother general, and she was an extraordinary woman, a fabulous woman, coming over to London. This probably was her first time ever in London, because I was in London, they'd sent me to London to study physio. And I had contact and said I wanted to leave. And she came over, I think, initially with the intention of um, uh, thinking, oh, maybe we'll have a chat and she'll stay. And uh, they had asked me to talk to a spiritual advisor or a spiritual director or something. I would have been a priest. And I had lost the faith at that stage. So I wasn't, well, I was not going to do that. But I went to this, um, um, there was a, a congregation of priests, I forget what they were called, uh, near where I lived. And I persuaded one of them to say that I had been there uh, and stuff like that. This is a true story. And uh, anyway, um, when the mother um, general came over, she, I think she recognized straight away that I was, I was going to leave. And so the couple of days she was there, turned out we had a wonderful time. We went sightseeing, we went doing this, that and the other, and, and it was just absolutely lovely uh, and so positive. And she made, she made that um, transition, if you like, possible for me. But at the same time, you left then without anything. You had no career, no money, wow. uh, no nothing. So you were you were there and you were looked after one day. It's not like that. It wasn't like that subsequently because, um, rightly so. You know, you had given so much of your life to that. Um, they um, they gave people some sort of start, uh, and so on and so forth. And even more recently, the longer you had been, you know, they would contribute even to people's pensions. But I, I mean, I missed all of that. So that slice of your life, you know, was gone, done and dusted. And it was like starting off from scratch and you were totally on your own with, with nothing. Wow. Um, that, was, that was quite a big, a big kind of thing. And, and it, was cha it was a very challenging thing, as you can imagine. Yeah, it's um, <coughs> You survived. You, you did, clearly. And you are here to tell the tale. Yeah. But I don't know how that helps your story, though, about Mary. Um, I don't, 
I don't believe in any of it anymore. Uh, and um, I, I, I mean, I think what I'm would be talking about to you is about um, about the influences and and how they happened, and um, and how they get supported, and and the consequences that have how for your actions and and your life um, and I mean I suppose what we didn't talk about was um, things like you know the, this thing about the Virgin Mary and and sexuality and stuff yeah. I mean I mean you know there was no way you'd be fecking around with fellas uh, and I think that this had a huge influence on that on people's people's sexuality and relationships um, and 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 uh, uh, was the most powerful sanctioning force um, in relation to um, to that and then as a consequence of course you had unmarried mothers and um, uh, tomb babies and and, and huge scandals yeah. um, in society, and I think that Mary has had something to do with all of that. That image of virginity and purity, and um, and you had you had priests preaching that, you had men and women believing that, and you had hypocrites um, preaching it and believing it and. Um, doing the opposite doing other things yeah doing their you know yeah when you have like that idea that image of, or that that sort of uh, strong belief of original sin and we yeah. talked about the whole yeah. idea of church and yeah things. I mean you're the theological you're the theological interpretation of this and that's right that's yeah so you have the original sin and you have so that's that women are uh, vilified just for being women because of that uh, because of that that thing that happened or that yes. supposedly happened um, and, and because of man's fall and, um, and and then you have then this character that is removed from original sin that is taken away from it so on the one hand you have this you as a you as a person, mm -hmm. it doesn't matter who you yeah. are, because you are a human being, you're mm -hmm. born, you're you are a result of a sexual union, you're a result yes. of your you're steeped in original sin. Yeah. Just by being. Yeah. And it's nothing that you That's can right, do. Yeah. We're all born with sin and we're all born to sin. <laughs> um and then when you're a woman, you're your cur you carry the curse of Eve, you carry this with you that's because right, yes. that's that yeah. that's there. So that's on top of you as a woman. Yeah. And then you have this then this other mother figure. Yes. Yeah. Who reinforces an idea or or has placed on her and has, you know, is has every sense of humanity removed from her because she has to be the the good and pious influence Absolutely. on Jesus. So she has to be that figure that gives him a human strength that is as far removed from sin as possible. Yes. So the um, 
the surrounding the, the, the stuff surrounding her birth and Saint Anne, her like her birthing Christ, carrying him and bringing him into the world, and then being mother to him, and you know, being there at his birth and there at his death, and you know, she's she then doesn't I think is it eleven. Is it Hippolytus of Thebes has uh, yes, <laughs> suggested that yeah. she only lived for another eleven years yeah, after his yeah. death, and um, and then she there's there's then kind of cloudiness around her her death, whether she died and ascended or ascended yeah, without death. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I think that's deliberate. Yeah, you know? this this very fog just fades into yeah whatever into mythology yeah. and is and she's so there's so little given to her so little voice of her so little attributed to her like there's a there's a lot more in the Gnostic sort of texts and and but not much it's not really like there she's she's kind of fudged over and the only reason she has the significance I think is because you know they decide okay Jesus He's not human and adopted into divinity. He's he's born yeah. in this divine way and follows the sort of classical um, sort of Greek and Roman ideals yes. of the epic tale mm -hmm. of divine birth and just yes, or like right. you know, um, uh, has a, a an element of godly help and then goes on this quest and does all of this sort of stuff and then has to make this sacrifice and journey and and that and she's this figure because she has to be yeah. she's she's no other choice mm -hmm. she doesn't get to be a, a, a human mother she doesn't get to be no. flawed she doesn't get to have bad days with him she doesn't get to have and the the the, the, the tiny fragments that we have of her speak of a very human mother but that's kind of it's it's limited no, we would never have seen her as a human mother no and and we don't she's she's sort of removed from that she's sort of taken away from that mm. and i think that's horrible because you know you have like the the passion plays and you have the payetta images and she's very much a human mother and those she's very yes, much yes. distraught of watching her son like the idea and i think for me i imagine the heartbreak of being a young young girl given this task to bring in this life, to face her peers and face her parents and face the world around her, unmarried, pregnant. And, you know, and at that time there were lots, there was lots of that idea of this, a God visited me and I'm now pregnant, where, you know, young girls were filled into, into lots of um, misgivings with, men yes yeah because this was very much a mythological you know a lot of the tales you know um absolutely where jupiter did did a lot of this mm -hmm. and you know zeus did a lot of that kind of yeah. carry on um of impregnating women and sleeping yeah. with them and telling them that he would you know and and so this was a very big strong myth at the time and for for this young girl to to then have to carry that and face everyone with being pregnant and all I can tell us who did you actually sleep with mm. and then she brings this child 
she has to do this journey with like being pregnant so that he can be born in this particular place so that she can bring him into this world in such a humble beginning and then they have to flee because he's in danger and then she raises him and she watches him grow and she watches him become this young man and go you know and, and blossom and then she has to watch him die helpless yeah and has to allow it like i imagine that would be horrible and then she's taken and removed from that. And that's stripped away from her. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just, but you see the way you've done that now. I can see you on stage doing something like that, but I really can. And, um, but we never had, had that depth of understanding and yet we had a relatively powerful influence. Um, we were never taught like that. We were never um, enabled to reflect like that. Um, and so the influences were, um, were social, you know, and, and, and they were there were the messages that various people in the system, particularly the Catholic Church system, choose to um, to message. Yeah. Um, and the message was very simple. You know, it was about purity. It was about virginity. It was about perfection. It was about devotion. You know, and 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 how you. It's however you decide to transfer these words, um, virginity, perfection, devotion, um, um, beauty, um, uh, commitment, and um, maybe above all, purity. Yeah, endurance and submission and... Yeah, and so, and so that message was people who really um, weren't into or wasn't the wrong thing or didn't want to study in depth and reflect in depth the way you've artic articulated there. Um, it was at the same time having a huge impact on people's lives. And, and it was so easy maybe for the intermediaries in the Catholic Church, priests, mostly, but also others of influence, including, say, in my own case, you know, the, the hierarchy in the convent or whoever, to, um, to interpret um, this life and, and these messages, Mary and, and, and commandments, not forgetting, and um, rituals and... Um, all of that to the um, to the uninitiated and to the um, and to the susceptible and to the um, to those who weren't really into 
studying theology or um, into kind of really maybe um, even at that stage challenging some of the message that was being um, put over in all of these ways that I mentioned from from birth, from christening to every single day of your life, the angelus, the rosaries, the um, masses, um, the pilgrimages, um, and 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 the images all around you, the statues and um, and so on. So um, it was like it was like as as natural then as light follows day. This was just the way it was. Um, this is just this iconic figure. This is just um, uh, the way you have to be. And, and this is what you're called by name. And, and, and uh, this is what you're called to by way of life. Um, a big ask. A huge one. <laughs> yeah. So, so um, I don't know, but it's, it's difficult. Of course, it's very difficult if you've been through all that then to, um, to not believe in any of it anymore. It's like being divested of your props, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and you have to, um, I don't necessarily see that necessary as, as um, some people might see it as liberating. I don't necessarily see it as that. I just see it as as is, and um, unless you see it as a good thing or anything like that, I just see it as 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 part of my personal evolution. Um, and I often think of my mom and her real, sincere, simple faith, and I. I, and when I think of that, I see her funeral and I see that cortege going through our village on a beautiful autumn day. And you could see the fields she worked so hard in across the Dewey Valley and, um, and the lovely service it was. And, and, and the consolation in a way that she got she actually, and people do, um, obviously, um, get consolation out of the religion. And, um, and that's kind of um, something that, if you're an unbeliever, have, you know. Um, so I'm, I'm not sure about all of it, but it's very difficult then, of course, to, um, you know, when you articulate all that so wonderfully, to, um, to believe in any of it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I studied it for, I mean, that was my, theology was my degree. And the more I learned about the nitty gritty details, the less I wanted to believe.
Yeah. I find it's related on the surface. But then once you got into like all of the... It's amazing though. What, I mean, it's, it's just when you went through that, because because all of that is... All of that, it, that should not be not validated, because all of that is right as well. Um, but it's just how that that now connects with the likes of my life. I don't know. Well, thank you very much for taking time to talk to me. Uh, I was, I wasn't, I wasn't, I, I feel I didn't get really um, the stuff across. I mean, you'd have to be down in the box of Roscommon, I suppose, to. No, I think. Really feel the vibe. I think. I think. I, I think in terms of this journey, I think it's a it's a lovely, yeah. it's a lovely part of the journey. And yeah, don't please don't feel like you haven't contributed it very much because you have. It's it's been lovely. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this episode ten of For the Love of Mary podcast. Thank you to the, the Arts Council of Northern Ireland for um, supporting me through the SIAP award to be able to carry out this project um, and record these conversations, meet with all of these amazing women. Um, thank you to Mary for um, allowing me to finally capture your a, a small, a small portion of your story. Um, and for being such a, an amazing inspiration of a woman. Um, just keep keep listening. There's so much more still to come. Um, the, our next episode is again with a woman who that I was I was totally giddy um, at the prospect of being able to sit down and, and capture her story and capture her um the conversation um so do the like share subscribe and um tune in again for the next uh, episode downloaded um it it's there <laughs> um anyway thank you so much and i will catch you next time